decoded. Welcome to this episode of the Founder Tech Decoded podcast. I'm delighted in this series five as we now lead up to the first Founder Tech Collective live event in May to be talking to Daniel Sufko, founder of Shipshape the first ever VC search engine that enables you to actually explore what an investor is writing about, I guess thinking about, has prioritized, has backed, creating vital transparency for a founder and anyone involved in an investment negotiation and deal to gain the insight and clarity that they need. Um, Having just um, completed a raise, it's a great time to be talking to Daniel, who's going to be a panelist at the event. So, Daniel, welcome. Uh, congratulations on the current progress with Shipshape, and thank you so much for being on the podcast. And really lovely to talk. Thanks very much, Dan, for having us yeah, on the podcast. It's yeah, really a, um, a pleasure to be speaking with you. And I know that we share a lot of views about about the ecosystem. And yeah, can't can't wait to to one be involved in the panel, and two also just to see what's what's going to be happening in the in this founder tech ecosystem that. Yeah, yourself and Kelly a huge part of tea yeah uh, well let, let, let's talk I do think we share a lot of common views let, let's let's start with uh, why you think it's for for an industry that is so dynamic and and orientated towards forward thinking it has all of these legacy systems that are sort of opaque and don't perform very well and you know bad experiences why what when you look at it and when you looked at the opportunity for Shipshape, which we'll come on to but what what, what what's your view on that yeah I, I mean this is something that has gone from being a cottage industry um if we look at the uk in uh, 2010 there's a hundred million or something uh in in total sort of venture capital deployed uh, and it's gone from that to I think it was above twenty billion last year, uh, and so the types of methods for marketing, for distribution of knowledge, for documentation, and all the paperwork and the legals, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all of that has essentially gone through a real sea change in that time, and so therefore the tools and methods that worked at 100 million deployed in a year don't work anymore. Um, we, we've got many more moving parts and a much bigger market to navigate. Uh, and, and that's where actually I, we, we saw the opportunity was there's a huge, um, huge potential for making this market operate more efficiently. And ultimately, you know, as our, our, our sort of motto, we want to make the future happen faster. At the moment, we've identified a few areas in which we think that the future is actually being slowed down by the way that things have historically been been operated. So I've never heard that answer before, and I think that's a brilliant answer. You know, if something has basically you know, inflated so quickly, you are going to that 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 does provide a real sort of um, nuanced insight insight into why there's that legacy, um, and. So, so let's unpack that slightly, slightly more. So, what you're saying is, is that it's gone from this kind of very small, cottage industry where everybody knew each other, probably every you know, 
even more than today, everyone was sort of London-based. It was driven by these internal networks that were human peer-driven. And, and even the notion of being in a startup or founder was an alien concept to a lot of, lot of people. It wasn't something they would orientate towards. And if they did, they wouldn't necessarily even know where to start. What I'm hearing you say is that that's rapid inflation in terms of kind of the size of the market um, and the amount of people which, which would participate in it have made those legacy systems creak and strain, which creates the opportunity to, to re-engineer it. Is that, is that a kind of another, you know, like unpacking of what you've said? 100%. Yeah, I, I think that's that's spot on. Uh, and and I, I still think we're, we're seeing a lot of that legacy. Um, not it, It's been institutionalized in many ways. If you... Um, have yeah like anyone who's ever seen a the way that vcs pitch to lps i.e the people who fund vcs vc pitch decks and and uh, ims investment memos um essentially all point to the same distribution channel or method of obtaining deal flow which is network and and then they also say oh and then we've also got the network of our portfolio company so um We've got their network too, and that's that's quite a. I think as you pointed pointed out, like that's quite a. It's likely to be geographically uh, sort of monocultural, um, and that's a real shame because there's brilliant human capital that's actually sitting away from centres of control for financial capital in, in this in this industry yeah it that's that's so interesting so i just got off a call talking about this about this, sort of the, the ability to unlock human capital and to, to and to actually uh, sort of reframe even impact like in, and, and diversity those things are important but once you understand it actually that what why those things aren't happening is because of systemic inefficiency and actually, if you can rewire that inefficiency, because it's not it's not it's not rocket science to do that. It's it's hard. But it's not like those they're, they're solvable problems. How you rewire it, then suddenly capital flows in different ways, and it's finding talent that needs that capital in a much more efficient, immediate way. And that's what's you know the traditional system wasn't designed to do that. I guess this is what we're talking about. It's like it just wasn't that wasn't its intent. It was, so it didn't need to behave in that way pitch decks were fine in that model because they only need to make X amount of investments a year and Y needed to provide a return and Z, you know, Z actually sort of had to be that one, that, that kind of moonshot unicorn that, that covered all bets. Um, but actually what we're talking about is the demand, the very demands of capital have changed and that, and therefore the legacy systems struggle with that. Um, because I find that really interesting that you kind of it incorporates inclusivity and diversity and all these things because it's you don't have to think almost it's just like capital should flow to whoever's fixing the problem in the right way yeah yeah that, that is 100% it and, and it perhaps should feature more prominently in our material because it, it's um, uh, it, it's a very uh, I suppose it's a very fashionable topic and people like being associated with it for us, it, it, yeah, it really is. It is that fundamental of, okay, actually, human capital is pretty evenly distributed. Financial capital is not, uh, and at the moment, at the moment, we're, yeah, we're calling that inclusivity. But I actually just think it's just the way that a market should function. Yeah, um, and, and and 
uh, actually, I've got a um, there's a brilliant the two 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 brilliant thinkers out there um, uh, who have really helped shape my thinking and actually helped to cr I suppose help create the background to the idea. So one of them is a lady called Carla Harris, and she's um, very senior at uh, Morgan Stanley out in the US. I was fortunate enough to go on a program out in uh, the US called the Multicultural Innovation uh, Lab as an accelerator program. And, and at the start, um, Carla Harris, uh, it's her brain brainchild, essentially. She said, look, we, we haven't done this as some kind of box ticking exercise. We are a bank. We have people who trust us with their money uh, and they trust us to make a return. And we think that this market is not performing well. And we think that there are better returns for investors who want exposure to venture capital. We think that there are better returns outside of essentially like a geographic and demographic, um, yeah, sort of monocultural, um, like within a 25 mile radius of San Francisco and New York. Like we think that actually there are better deals to be found elsewhere. That's why we're doing this. So yeah, I think they're, they're making a good return as well, by the way, on, on that fund. Do you know the concept of idling capacity in the sharing economy? Are you aware of that concept? I am aware of the concept, but I'd be keen to hear more about yeah how that. Because maybe because I've been I've been looking to sort of migrate it into into this conversation. So idling capacity was the, one of the key thoughts that built the sort of sharing economy, which was you know your car sits idle for twenty three hours of a day, or you've got a spare room, or you know. Um, you know, you, you've got a bike that you can get on and, and, and pedal about, or you can drive your car as an Uber. All of those built, all of those industries are built off the concept of idling capacity and unlocking that capacity to create, a, you know, new economic growth. I think what we're talking about is actually when you get, when you actually have this proper conversation, which, which is which is great to have, and it's, you can't have it with many people. Not obviously, this is what we want to talk about the event. It's like there's actually this other capacity, this entrepreneurial capacity that is lying dormant because of market inefficiency of capital. And if you could do that, and this is where you'll be careful, I try not to sort of like, I'm not an idealist in that way, I so said we could change the world, right? It's not, it's not, but in a way, if you think about it, if you, if you fast forward and you play all this out over two, three, four years, I don't think it's very long the timeline, and you start to see almost in the way that Airbnb unlocked all this idling capacity around people's sort of, you know, residential homes and able to generate income. If you had all of these in, uh, entrepreneurs in these kind of deep verticals with deep domain expertise, needing less capital to explore the, that opportunity and show that they can navigate that opportunity before getting larger amounts, you, you must unlock a capacity, particularly if you consider most of the problems that we have, not all of them, some of these huge infrastructure and you know and, and, and deep knowledge across you know many sectors and, and all, all of those kinds of things. But a lot of them are need to be solved at that local level. If we if you could get capital flowing in that way, you just unlock this entrepreneurial uh, capacity. And I've not found the equivalent of the idling capacity idea in in that. I'd love to get your thought on that because I think there is a term there that is super interesting. I think that's what we're all driving at is unlocking that. Um, but yeah, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, 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 I definitely buy into that as a concept that applies to this market. Definitely, yeah, one hundred percent. I think there are there are lots of people who are act like who are essentially passively sitting on the sidelines with ideas that, um, okay, ninety nine times out of hundred might not go and change the world, but it's worth encouraging 100 people to participate in this market 
because of the one idea that will change the world out of that 100. And I don't think that the one in a hundred ratio actually gets significantly more like uh, unfavorable as you move out of like San Francisco, London, New York. Like, sure, I think an entrepreneur that's seasoned has a better chance of success in in future. But actually, you need to like you need a lot of failures to get seasoned entrepreneurs. Sure, you'll have some successes as well. But actually, yeah, like you need to build that um, that resilience at a local level too. And actually, it's cheaper to build that there. So yeah, totally buy into the concept of, of idle uh, idle capacity within this. And and yeah, I think that there are many cheaper, better places to allocate the capital to build that capacity than we're currently sort of distributing it to. But uh, just going to slightly. Um... I'll push back, but try to nuance what you said because I think part of it as well is in that one to a hundred. Yes, there is the one that changes the world. I've changed it, or let's just say changes the paradigm. Let's let's use, yeah. but but there are also we have to unbake ourselves from that always being the goal, right? Mm, yeah. It may it may be someone locally in a regional area of Wales, right, who's just got something in early education that with a small amount of capital can radically rethink. You know, in, in in three districts, how how kids learn. You know, who might have dyspraxia or something like that. I'm making an example up. That person should ha- be able to access that that resource again, surrounded by the two, three, four investors that really get the space and kind of can nurture it and 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 help you know help her uh, navigate that, that 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 initial part. But that but those people are super valuable, and at the moment they aren't even factored into. They're just sort of like. They're, they're like discounted as sort of, you know, like uh, um, disposable cost. You know, they're, they're not even a fact. But those people are, 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 of course, this thing is just going to sort of waste waste that money and not go anywhere. And there's going to be sort of bad actors. And but there's a whole raft of people, which is, I think, what the idling capacity leans to. Like in the same way, there was loads of people who had spare rooms, you know, or a little cabin in the back of their garden, or they were really good at, creating, you know. But you, but you see, you see. You see what I mean? Like it's like there is a whole raft of people, and I think this plays into what you're doing massively because the the depth of insight that you're giving on an investor is like let's take that person in regional wells, looking at dyspraxia in, a, in an interesting way. They can get that insight into the investor who's who's approaching them, saying, "Hey, I'm really passionate about this." They actually can start to see that and make that visible, right? And that's to me, you're enabling that kind of unlocking of that localized entrepreneur that just isn't even factored into the equation is is that correct yeah i I I think i I think that's right Uh, i think there's a i think a really good example here that i often turn to is is youtube okay like youtube has made it possible for people with niche interests uh, to one successfully create videos about I don't know what uh, like um, about about what it's potentially even like um, help guys around like let's take the topic of dyspraxia you might have people who actually will be producing content around that topic and there's also there there is an audience globally that also has an interest in that it's just quite long tail it's quite niche yeah but, but but actually having a means of helping those long tail interests align and coalesce around something yeah it is exactly that it, it, it helps to tap into that uh that idle capacity that at the moment yeah is sitting on the sidelines 
essentially for want of better signals from the market. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting, and it's like, what is the value of that economy if you can unlock it? Like, what, I mean, it has to be enormous, right? And also, if you can swing the failure rate as of the nine out of ten failure rate, even by a point, by making the system more efficient, that's enormous. The what that, that what that inflects as a number is enormous, right? If it swings from ninety percent to eighty percent. Yeah, or even you say eight point five percent or eight point seven. That's still a massive delta, right? In terms of a shift, one hundred percent. And and I think there's a um, the venture model of returns is definitely one that I think we're going to see come under um, some level of pressure as we find alternative, like alternative means of distributing risk at the earlier stage um, that, that are not necessarily only focused on those unicorn style outcomes uh, and, and essentially, you know, the feeding of other business types where they basically either make it, it's a zero or one outcome. But actually that there are quite a range of outcomes that ultimately others might be able to allocate capital to not expecting a unicorn return from, from one in, in 10, one in 20, but actually, you know, like we'll get good returns from three out of 10. And that that more than covers covers the loss, but yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm quite excited to see what what can happen in that space. And I think there's yet yeah, significant opportunity there for those who will invest in certain niches, knowing that actually just good execution is going to give a really good return, even if like, and you're not relying on uh, a confluence of factors that is unlikely to make that a success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that is what Founders Tech, I think, is a short term. Is for that is it's for that view and the opportunity that exists beyond the current ecosystem. Once you see beyond it, there is all of this opportunity that you know can be um, orientated towards. So let, let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, what made you think about Shipshape as the, I guess, the area that you thought. Okay, I'm going to put. A lever into this part and re-engineer this part. What 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 was the what was the journey to to, to make that the decision? Uh, yeah, I, I made a mistake in in, in uh, I was working in a, a previous startup. It wasn't my startup. I was uh, I joined as employee number number eight. I was sort of the second commercially minded person in the business after after the CEO and founder. And CEO and founders have. Uh, turn around to me and said, Daniel, like we're doing a series A, please can you help identify which investors we should be speaking with for, for that? And it was, it was day two and, and I realized that uh, very quickly, uh, having said yes, quite naively to, to that, um, I realized that it was really difficult to find investors that were really interested in uh, making FATCA and CRS compliance more automated. Uh, there, there wasn't, I couldn't go to Google and type that in. I, I And the tools that were available, you know, like investor lists, and you've got your sort of classic databases like you know, Crunchbase, for, for example. These tools were not that helpful for a founder or someone who's working with a founder to try and identify, okay, who's got that aligned long tail interest? In, in what we're doing. And I think most most startups are actually doing something that's quite niche. Uh, almost by definition, 
they've identified a problem that no like no one else or very few other people have yeah and they're now working on it yeah uh, and so going through the struggle of only being able to identify okay here are funds that in theory invest in fintech or regtech if they if they were that specific i still had the problem of trying to figure out who in those teams was the best person to approach because like you can email a generic mailbox but we're really big believers that individuals that work within these firms are actually the prime movers you, you um what do you mean by that just can you just can you just um just put some more light on what you mean by that yeah um i, I the if you've got a vc fund and you've got i don't know 20 30 people working there so it's re- relatively big fund you don't want to go and if you're doing something i don't know in um circular economy uh, and, and looking at sustainable materials in the circular economy the person like what you don't want to do is get rejected from a part of that fund that's inappropriate for you to have gone and reached out to because yeah it basically yeah. It, it shuts they they they, they, they pull up the drawbridge that's it that opportunity is kind of shut off so you don't want to go to the person who's concentrating on fintech perhaps or yeah. like um open banking within that VC fund, you want to go and reach out to the person that is really interested in exactly that topic or is the most interested in that topic. And if you can build an affinity there because you've got aligned interests around what it is that you're doing, actually that person then becomes a champion. It's, it's, it's like any other sales process, I guess. You want to find your champion within, uh, within that firm who's going to take you to investment committee. He's going to bat for you and really be passionate about yourself as a business um, deserving investment and so that that's why yeah for us we actually have started with the idea that actually it's the individuals who are marketing their interests within investment firms rather than looking at investment firms as being like who you should reach out to actually it's the it's the right individual at those firms that you should be reaching out to so the two concepts, obviously, from what we, what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation, are linked because what you're saying there is that there is going to be a move towards what's come up on the podcast as a term like scalable niches, right? That's going to be where the, a lot of the, the opportunity increasingly lies for investors. And there's going to be a shallowing of the sort of horizontal B2B e-commerce things lying in decks that are obvious winners or things that can kind of be scaled. That, that's diminishing. You've got these scalable niches increasing. And therefore, inside that scalable niche is a much more refined level of expertise. And inside the VC that even has a chance um, and as a kind of a portfolio preference towards your scalable niche, it's probably one or two individuals that are actively writing um, and, 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 and signaling, I, I understand that scalable niche. And if you can find that person, the chances of getting intelligent capital in the right way are massively increased. That, that's exactly it, and, and yeah, and so what we want to do is create a an extremely cost-effective way to bring down the cost of distributing and marketing that capital, so that it's not dependent on ultimately. I mean, VCs, I'm pretty sure today, hire they hire for people who are going to be good at networking, and I. Th- 
think that that's a very expensive way of marketing capital. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it's this, it, it, it all, I'm, I'm not visual enough to draw, draw the map of this in my head, but it's all interconnected. It's that, you know, if you're, if you've got generalists that are good at networking, you are not going to be able to have that conversation with the founders in that scalable niche. So you're providing that gap between that founder really needing an intelligent conversation, intelligent aligned capital, and the people, it, it, I, I hadn't quite understood before, like it's, it's double-sided, right? Because for really, really good uh, VCs or investors or venture, whatever you want to call them, to actually really as passionate as to say about the circular economy genuinely and is active in that, and it's not just sort of paying lip service to it, but is genuinely in that community and developing a portfolio. By them, by them being that active and being able to signal that via ship shape, they are elevating themselves against all of the other capital keep competing for that that sector, which is which is so it's really in their interest to kind of to behave like this in the way that ship shape can, you know, kind of uh, highlight, feature, elevate their behaviour. It's not it's not just the founder's ability to search; it's the it's the VC the the investor's ability to broadcast. Yeah, and then you've also got the um, added features and factors that build into that, right? So, so if that person is well connected within that ecosystem, i.e., the investor, then actually they are for every one million pound investment that they make, if they make it in an aligned sector where they've got network, actually the marginal rate of failure per million pound bet goes down significantly. Yeah. yeah. And if you then extrapolate back out from that. If you're an LP and you're wondering where you should allocate, right? Yeah, that's yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah. That, no, no. Of course, if you're an LP and you're thinking, where do I? I'm interested in the circular economy. They're gonna look. What you're giving them is essential because then, or 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 you've backed a, a a firm and you're saying like, well, why haven't you been active in this space? And they say, what do you mean? So I can see you're not, you're not active in this. I've just gone onto ShipShare and see that you're not, you know, there, there's no evidence that you're participatory in this space, which yeah. then encourages really good faith behavior of people who genuinely want to be in that space, right? Exactly. So it, right, I, had, I really hadn't quite gathered the sort of double-sided nature of it. It's, 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 it's super interesting. Um, okay, so, um, we, we we'll obviously expand on this um, in May at the event. What is the having completed your round? Uh, congratulations. Um, what's what's the next two quarters look like for you? Um, what what does that look like? Uh, yeah. So yeah, we're d- delighted to have, um, yeah close out that round. We actually we use the search engine on ourselves to to find uh, yeah find investors. So it's really nice to be able to say that we have eaten our own dog food yeah uh, which is which is great uh actually i mean fundraising never stops so we're, we're already looking at the next one we're about about 50 percent uh, of the way there in terms of commitments which is which is great um it's a nice place to be within you know just a few weeks of having closed off the, the previous round so for us though in terms of we've got a few product um product sort of releases that we're really excited for one of which is we're enabling VCs to just give us their URL and we will then go and essentially look through those people who work there, where they publish, 
also portfolio companies uh, that they've invested in uh, and basically enable those investment entities to get themselves indexed and become searchable. So just by giving us their URL, which we're really excited about. So we'll be basically releasing a page that enables invest investors to start better marketing their capital. And one of the things that we're doing, we're not, we're not just waiting for investors to come to us. We're actually going to be indexing uh, the US VC landscape. So we're already part, part of the way through that. Uh, it's not yet been released to prod, but we're really excited for essentially um, uh, for, those, for those like familiar with long tails, just making that long tail even longer. Uh, you know, if there are three VCs in the UK that you might want to go and speak with about, um, you know, uh, eye disease detection, actually, there will be, you know, 30 perhaps in the US, if you add that data set into the search engine that you can then speak with. So actually, it then enables, you know, if you're, a, if you're a founder, and you're selling your equity, you want the maximum number of interested buyers on the other side of the table. That's really like, that's another thing that we're really excited to be releasing in the next few months. So yeah, that's, those are the, that's really exciting for us uh, is one enabling VCs to do it and two expanding our geographic coverage. Are you finding that people are uh, increasingly understanding what you're doing quicker and quicker? You know that sort of thing where suddenly what took six months to explain now takes <laughs> 60, 60 seconds and then I'm not about like the, the sort of the, the clear you know you're in an elevator you're 15 seconds I mean whatever i'm talking about like that that weird thing where yeah there's conditions and climate and the way you're communicating is that is that starting to happen yes so so yeah i i, I mean i am embarrassed about the way that we tried to explain what we were doing to, to start with and no doubt in a few years time i will look back at the way that i described it today and describing it these days and and also have further refined that message but yes I, I definitely think that the market is perhaps also more ready uh, but we're, we've also become better at articulating how it is we're helping great well just sort of wrapping up is there anything uh for people listening that you would like them to aside aside from obviously visiting shipshape.vc, obviously put in your LinkedIn details. Is there anything else that's useful that um, people listening can approach you? How best is there? If anyone, obviously, um, is there anything that they can watch? Anything at all, the floor's yours in terms of kind of like what, what, what you'd like people to focus on. Thanks, uh, yeah, I um, Yeah, I suppose the, the really big one you've just, just touched upon is, yeah, visit, visit the website, um, shipshape.vc. Um, have a search, have a play around. And if you know of founders that are raising or accelerators that are helping um, essentially founders to, to raise or anyone in the ecosystem that is in a, in that position, then yeah, let, let them know that we, we exist. In terms of, uh, yeah, uh, if people can, people reaching out, et cetera, on LinkedIn, for example, for questions, yeah, really, I'm always open to, yeah, trying to help founders out, uh, we, yeah, it, it's something that I really enjoy doing. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily contribute like day in day out to like you know what's end of month uh, revenue going to look like. But I, I actually, actually, it's something I really enjoy and it helps helps me and us stay close to our customer. So yeah, whilst a founder might well 
hopefully benefit from some of the some of the mistakes that we've made and our ability to share those actually it helps us with knowing what we might want to go and and improve next awesome um okay well look forward to continuing the conversation in, in person uh in may uh it's it's great to have had, had this conversation it, it really does feel like um the conversation itself is calibrating you know the more of us that are kind of talking about the same thing or at least pointing at the same thing and saying hey it, it could be like this it feels like there is power in numbers in this um and that actually it doesn't take a huge amount of people to shift the conversation and that actually is maybe the tipping point where we're at and hence why bringing people in the room together is generally a good idea to try and facilitate that so um really look forward to that Daniel and um, yeah um, and, and it's just it's just it's just so interesting to be able to have the kind of this level of conversation that I hope we would have but to kind of get to the, the next level of beta and if we can kind of you know maybe, maybe one of the purposes of the event is to kind of even nuance the language further so we all have sort of common terms around what we're describing maybe that will be some interesting kind of post-event outcome um, so that we all we can point at the same thing even even better terms so yeah thank you thank you so much for your time Daniel. i really appreciate it oh, it's been a real pl pleasure and privilege thanks dan